Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, March 23rd. It is prophesied in the book of Amos that in the last days there would be a famine in the land, not a famine for food, but a famine for the word of God, as it is written in Amos 8, 11, and 12. Behold, the days come, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Even in the days of Joseph there were seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He had stored up grain for the seven years of famine. The Daily Audio Torah is your storehouse where you can get grain. It is twenty minutes every day of pure scripture flowing out, living manna to feed your spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Vayikra, and it means, He called. Leviticus 4, 19-35 Then the priest must remove all the animal's fat, and burn it on the altar, just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Then the priest must take what is left of the bull and carry it outside the camp and burn it there, just as is done with the sin offering for the high priest. This offering is for the sin of the entire congregation of Israel. If one of Israel's leaders sins by violating one of the commands of the Lord his God but doesn't realize it, he is still guilty. When he becomes aware of his sin, he must bring as his offering a male goat with no defects. He must lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered before the Lord. This is an offering for his sin. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. 
Then he must burn all of the goat's fat on the altar, just as he does with the peace offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the leader from his sin, making him right with the Lord, and he will be forgiven. If any of the common people sin by violating one of the Lord's commands, but they don't realize it, they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, they must bring as an offering for their sin a female goat with no defects. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all of the goat's fat, just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar, and it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. If the people bring a sheep as their sin offering, it must be a female with no defects. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the sheep's fat, just as he does with the fat of a sheep presented as a peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people from their sin, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Luke 5, 29-6-11 Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Yeshua as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Yeshua's disciples, Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Yeshua answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. One day, some people said to Yeshua, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Yeshua responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Yeshua gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment, for then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. One Sabbath day, as Yeshua was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. 
But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Yeshua replied, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Yeshua added, The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Yeshua was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Yeshua closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Yeshua knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Yeshua said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this the enemies of Yeshua were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Psalm 66, 1-20 Shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of His name. Tell the world how glorious He is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles He performs for people! He made a dry path through the Red Sea, and His people went across on foot. There we rejoiced in Him, for by His great power He rules forever. He watches every movement of the nations. Let no rebel rise in defiance. Let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing His praises. Our lives are in His hands, and He keeps our feet from stumbling. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. You captured us in your net and laid the burden of slavery on our backs. Then you put a leader over us. We went through fire and flood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Now I come to your temple with burnt offerings to fulfill the vows I made to you. Yes, the sacred vows that I made when I was in deep trouble. That is why I am sacrificing burnt offerings to you, the best of my rams as a pleasing aroma, and a sacrifice of bulls and male goats. Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God, who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. Proverbs 11, 24-26 Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People curse those who hoard their grain, but they bless the one who sells in time of need.
I want to speak to you today from our reading from Luke chapter 5, and I want to zoom in on the parable that Yeshua spoke of regarding new wineskins. I'm just going to read those verses again, and then we will do a deep dive on them. Verse 36 from Luke chapter 5. Then Yeshua gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. So I've pondered this parable for a long time, and it kind of puzzled me. But then I believe the Holy Spirit has really given me an insight on what this parable is talking about. We have two elements here. We have the wine and we have the wine skin, the container that holds the wine. And you could say that the the wine, whether it's the old wine or the new wine, it's the contents, it's the message, it's the gospel, it's the good news. So when, for example, the Reformation happened in the 1400s with Martin Luther, and he unchained the Bible from the podium, and instead of it being in Latin, he, you know, the Gutenberg printing press took off and and they printed many, many copies of the Bible in the common language of the people. And it was truly a revolution. It was the enlightenment because now the word of God was in the hands of the people. And instead of listening to a sermon in Latin, people could read the word for themselves and truly begin to be born again, to have their hearts circumcised, to break out of the old religious structures and, and messages. And so the gospel went forth during the Great Enlightenment. However, the container for the wine, the container, the structure for how the message is conveyed, was copied. So the Catholic Church had a certain way of putting the message out there. You come to this big church, this big cathedral, you sit down and be quiet, and there's some uh, a pope or a priest or a cardinal up on the, on the stage, and they're going to do all the talking, and you're just to sit quietly and listen. And basically, Protestant uh, denominations across the board, whether it's Lutheran or Methodist or Assembly of God or Foursquare or whatever denomination you want to pick, they pretty much copied the structure. They used the same wineskin. So they had new wine, but they're using the old wineskin to pour the new wine out. The same structure for communicating the message was used. So basically, kind of how I see it is that the new wineskin is a new container. It's a new structure for how to hold the message, the contents. What might this new structure look like? Well, it can take a variety of appearances, but I think that certainly one way that it happens is um, it's uh, a lot less formal. It may be home groups, small groups, meeting um, 
at different times. It doesn't have to necessarily be on a Shabbat or on a Sunday. And it can even be groups that meet on Zoom meetings, groups that meet on phone conference calls in unusual ways and unusual places where truly the Spirit of God can truly move so that you're not just sitting there as a spectator watching a performance or a show, but instead every single person is involved. They can pray. They can share uh, what God is showing them. They can speak a prophetic word. They can have a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. They can lay hands on someone who needs prayer for healing. And and so truly the body can... um, do its job and function and work together as a body. And so I think that when COVID came along, the pandemic, and a lot of the big mega churches were shut down because they were following the governmental edicts about social distancing and, and they were shuttered. Um, and, and then they just, a lot of them went onto YouTube and they said, Oh, we can, the show must go on. Watch our, watch our, performance on YouTube and don't forget to give. But there were smaller fellowships that were hidden and under the radar that never stopped meeting. And they didn't wear masks and they didn't do the social distancing. They just kept on meeting. And maybe it was in a home setting um, or in a smaller setting of some kind. They were not part of the big mega church structure. And so I think that in some ways God has used the pandemic for his purposes to begin to eradicate the old wineskins, the old structures, and to raise up new wineskins, new containers for holding the new wine. And so um, that's kind of what I see as a pattern. And a lot of smaller groups and home groups have really flourished because people are not looking for church as usual and business as usual. They really want an encounter with the living God. Now, having said all that, I'm going to share a vision that was recently uh, received by a friend of mine, Carolyn Hyde, and she is um, Jewish, and she's a believer in Yeshua the Messiah, and she lives in Israel, and she's very prophetic. She often gets visions, and this vision I found to be really, really on point. Um, so you can actually find the vision if you go to uh, thetorahouse.com and you click on visions and dreams on the navigation menu and you will find it there under words, visions and dreams. So this vision we're calling New Wineskins and Open Vision. This is by Carolyn Hyde. I witnessed a tremendous assembly of angels led by Yeshua. Everyone had a bow and arrow in their hands and was prepared to launch their arrows at the same time. I turned my head to see what they were aiming at and saw rows and rows of old wineskins. Suddenly, the command was given and the angels followed Yeshua in releasing their arrows into the old wineskins. The new wineskins were handed out all across America. Many eagerly received their new wineskins, while others refused to trade in their old wineskins, which were now completely useless, as they were riddled with holes and could never hold wine again. Yeshua gave me a new wineskin, which I received with great joy, and he filled it with the most fragrant burgundy wine.
I told him with a smile, You saved the best wine for last, and he returned the smile. Now, even as I read that vision, what comes to my mind is we've been seeing a fresh and a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit in lots of different places, uh, at least in the U.S., and it's probably happening in many other parts of the world that I'm not aware of. But I am aware of it started with Asbury College in Kentucky, and then other colleges in the region began to um, have extended services and basically a lot of worship and no no one person no uh, famous evangelist or famous preacher or teacher or famous worship team is leading the worship it's just the common people the body singing incredible uh, from their heart all these worship songs and it's like just an outpouring of the holy spirit and then the spirit is really moving and people are prophesying to one another and laying hands and praying for healing for one another. The Spirit is moving freely amongst the people. So it's not a performance or a show with just a few people up on the sa- on the stage. And now um, the outpouring is continuing um, in other places throughout the U.S. A tent meeting that's been, gone on for almost four months that I was just reading about. Um, and so it's like it's a fresh outpouring because people are thirsty, people are hungry, people are weary, they're tired of all the bad news, they're tired of all the cro- crookedness and corruption in the government, and they're hungry to really connect with God and to connect with his people in a real way. And so this could be uh, part of this new wineskin. Um, also we have Clay Clark and he goes around all over the country and he does these reawaken America tours and they meet in large venues, sometimes in a stadium or sometimes in an extremely large tent that they rent for the weekend. And he brings on, you know, 20 or 30 different speakers and they'll each speak for maybe 20 minutes and they drop truth bombs. So they have General Michael Flynn, and they before he passed away, Dr. Zev Zelenko, Laura Logan, lots of different speakers dropping these truth bombs to wake people up, uh, to break the programming and the propaganda from the mainstream media. And at the end of every meeting, they always open up the altar and invite people to come down to get saved. Now, Clay Clark is not a preacher. He's not a pastor. He's a businessman. And yet God is using him in a mighty way to really wake up the masses, um, to bring them into truth. And also they preach the gospel at the end of each meeting and they're just going all over the nation. So again, to me, that looks like a new wineskin. That's a new way to convey and communicate the message of the gospel is uh, through these Reawaken America tours. So we can't really put God in a box. We can't use a formula or be mechanical or wrote about it. Uh, He works uniquely and creatively, and I'm sure he's moving powerfully in places like Syria and Iran in the underground hidden church, and now Turkey with the huge earthquakes that they've had and the tremendous devastation, something like 35,000 people died and millions are homeless. I'm sure that the Holy Spirit is going to move in a mighty way, even in places like that. So I guess my encouragement to you is seek the Lord and ask him to put new wineskin in you.
personally to remove the old wineskin and put a new wineskin in you and then ask that he connect you to a local group of believers who are operating and functioning in a new wineskin way that's fresh. Blessings and shalom, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.